Well, hey, everybody. How you doing? Good. Thank you. I appreciate that. I always need someone in the front row who responds really loudly. If you could just do that tomorrow, if you could come back, that'd be great. Um, super glad you guys are with us. Hey, my name is Joshua. I'm the student pastor here at Jacob's Well, and I'm extremely excited to be speaking with you guys specifically on the message we're about to talk about. We are on week two of a series called Tools, and this series about tools is this idea that God has given us some things, some tools that if we use them, they can help us to know and become like Jesus. So they're powerful, and specifically what we're looking at is the five things, the five commitments that we here at Jacob's Well believe in, okay? These five Five commitments are ideas that are going to help us to know and become like Jesus. So what we have is we have belong, serve, grow, share, and worship. Uh, we, we're going to take four weeks to go through four of these. And then this summer, we're going to do a series called Summer Mixtape where we're going to spend some time on worship. What does it mean? What is the heart of worship? It's going to be really, really beautiful. So last week, Grant gave the message on the commitment of belong. And what does belong mean? What does it look like? And this idea that we were designed, that we have this inner craving to belong to something, to be known by other people, to know other people, to have authentic relationships. And, and I think that, that that is a really powerful thing. And not just to be known by people, but to be known and to belong to Jesus and to his family. And if you're a Christian, you have to know that's who you are. That's your identity. The song that we just sang, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. You're in the family. It's amazing, and that's powerful. And what we want you guys to know is here at Jacob's Well, it doesn't matter where you guys are at right now on your journey, you belong here. We want this to be a place where when you come, you just know that you're safe. You know that you can struggle with doubts and questions and, and, and try to understand God, and it's a safe place to do that. No one's going to judge you. No one's going to look down on you. We think that's awesome. So we're glad you're here. You do belong here. And, and that commitment for us to look at how do we show belong to other people? How do we show them that they're welcome with us, that, that we can love them, that they're safe with us? It's a, it's a powerful thing. So that was last week, okay? This week, we're talking about the commitment of share. And I'm really, really glad that I got to be the one who gets to talk about this message. So here's kind of what we believe about share. We commit as a church to sharing our story and God's story. We commit to sharing our story, what's happened in our lives, how Jesus has intervened in our lives, what he's done, but I would say even more importantly, what God has done in his own story. How hopeless we were as a people until Jesus came and took our place and set us free. And so that's this commitment that we're going to take this message and we're going to share what's happened in our lives and what's happened in God's own story. And I think what's really profound about this commitment is it takes our faith and it takes it from the internal and it forces it to the external. A lot of times we spend a lot of time looking in the mirror. We do, right? We look in the mirror. We look at ourselves. We ask these questions about, about where am I at with God? And I have these own struggles. And this, this is what's going on with my family. This is what's going on at work. And we spend so much time looking at ourselves when God is constantly calling us to turn our eyes, to turn our attention and our affections off of ourselves and to look at the people around us. That's this idea of share, of, of loving people enough, of caring for people enough to share what is happening in our lives and what God is doing. So it's really taking that personal spiritual journey and it's moving to a life of action. And it's a beautiful thing. You know, even when you look out there and you see the building that we're doing right now, why is it there? Why are we building it? What's the purpose? Well, it's just another tool to share the gospel. 
It's another tool for people to come in through those doors and have more room to sit and be able to hear the truth of the gospel, be able to know that they belong, be able to take next steps. That's the whole reason we're building it, not so we could be a large church, not so we could be an impressive church, but that we could be a place that represents Jesus well and shares boldly. That's our heart. That's why we're doing that whole thing. So with this whole idea of share and and how we should be taking this message to people, I want to invite Micah Maurer up real quick because Micah is about to go on an adventure uh, with his wife that is, is, is really kind of shows what this is. It's all about share. It's all about going outside of yourself, looking to the external, and loving a people enough to make a difference. So can we just give a round of applause to Micah quick? All right. Hey, welcome. Glad you're up here. Thanks. So, <laughs> so my first question for you is, tell us a little bit about the adventure you guys are about to go on. Okay. So, um, at the end of July, my wife and I are actually going to be moving to Hong Kong, where I'm going to be teaching at the International Christian School of Hong Kong. And this journey started kind of when I was in high school, uh, before I even knew I wanted to be a teacher. Uh, we had some family friends that went for four years to Saudi Arabia and taught in an international school. And through doing that, they were able to basically experience you know, a lot of new life things. And also they were able to save a lot of money, pay off their student debt, um, come back, start a family. And it just sounded like an awesome experience. And so when I heard about that in high school, and I was kind of playing around with the idea of becoming a teacher, I knew it was something that I wanted to do because sounded like, one, just a heck of, a, heck of an adventure, and you know, I've always liked taking chances and stuff. Two, it'd be a great way um, to, to save and, and just to be a good steward with that and to pay off student debt, but also just to you know, live my life as a mission and to go into a place where I can potentially spread the gospel. That's awesome. And I love how you are, guys, you're going to a place where you found jobs, where you found a way to provide for your family, but that way there's, there's nothing you have to figure out with, with raising support. You can just go straight directly to to doing your mission, which is beautiful. So why China? What's, what's drawing you guys there? Well, honestly, we didn't necessarily have a first pick. We went to a job fair in Iowa, and we interviewed with eight different schools over the course of two days, and we had multiple job offers. But the thing that really stuck out to me about Hong Kong and China is during the interview for uh, this job, I was talking with the guy, and I told him, to be perfectly honest, I'm not sure if I want to teach in a Christian school because part of me wanting to go overseas is I want to be a witness in a dark place. And he just talked more and more and more about the fact that like only 40% of the students that come into this school come with any faith whatsoever. And by the time they leave, about 80% of them profess to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And also the fact that China right now is kind of the mission field of the world. And if we can reach China with how much it's booming, we can reach the world. And so what I'll be doing is not only will I be teaching there, but I'll also be discipling kids that can then go out into other parts of China and into Asia and parts that I as, you know, an American can't go because that's frowned upon. And so that just like started stirring up inside me, getting me all pumped up. And yeah, we're super stoked to go there and hopefully be able to disciple these kids to then have them go out into the rest of the world. That's beautiful. So while you guys are gone, what can we be doing as your church family to pray for you guys? Well, I, I can say this because she's not here. She'll be here tomorrow. But my wife is definitely a lot less comfortable with this than I am. So uh, <laughs> if we could be uh, praying just for the whole comfort of, of the travel over there and getting established, uh, we have no idea what it's going to look like. So, I mean, right now I'm thinking so much about the travel part and not really even the fact that I'm starting a new job. You know, I've been teaching at the school that I'm at for three years, and I'm going to be starting from scratch. And so definitely just that we can get established that um, – you know, things run smoothly, but also just that I really want to take full, well, we both want to take full advantage of every opportunity while we're there um, to be able to minister to my coworkers, regardless of if they're believers or not, and definitely uh, the students just to be able to disciple them effectively so that, you know, as I said, they can hopefully one day when they grow up 
go out and be missionaries themselves. Awesome. That's beautiful. Is it okay if I pray for you? Absolutely. All right, let's pray for them together. Jesus, I thank you for Micah and Erica and their hearts and their willingness to go to the other side of the world and represent you. God, I thank you that you've helped um, them understand and embrace this concept of share, what it is to look outside of ourselves and just love people so well, to see them as the eternal people they are and to, to invest in their lives. God, I pray that you'd be with them, that you'd give them strength, that you'd give them comfort in the hard times, Lord, that you'd give them boldness, God. And I just, I thank you for the courage and the bravery and this example uh, that this family is to all of us here. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Thank you. Yes, please. That's what we're talking about. This whole concept of share. There's a whole world of people out there who need Jesus. Will you guys please pray with me? I just want to get all of our hearts centered on this, this topic about what we're about to, to talk about. Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would take over in this room right now. Holy Spirit, I know that you're here with us, and I pray that you would do your work, that you would convict us in the deepest part of our heart, that you would encourage us, that you would embolden us, that you would help us to be people who really mean what that song said, that we're no longer slaves to fear. We're children of God, and that should give us a boldness, that should give us a courage, that should give us a faith to trust you and to go into hard places. God, I pray that you would move in amazing ways this weekend. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so... When I think about this topic of share, I, 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 my mind always goes to this idea of what is God's calling? Like, have you ever asked that? What's God's will for my life? This is something that we can kind of stress about. Well, which job does he want me to do? Which house does he want me to buy? Who am I supposed to marry? All these kind of, of hard choices. What is God's will? What is God's call? And I don't know the specifics for your life, but I do know this. Every single Christian in this room has a calling. Every sing, single disciple of the king has a calling, and it comes to us in Matthew 28 in the Great Commission. Let's check this out. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I love this message that Jesus gave him because you got to understand what just happened. Jesus had already come down. He'd already done three years of his ministry, right? Teaching them day in and day out. And then the most amazing thing, he chose to suffer and die and take our place on the cross. And so he did that. He went through the sacrifice, but three days later, he rose again. And, and you have to imagine the disciples looked at Jesus and thought, this is the most incredible thing. Like, how powerful is our God if he, can, if he can do this? They're in amazement. But then right before Jesus leaves them, before he ascends into heaven, he gives them one final message. And I love the way it starts. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Literally, God has given him authority and power and dominion and rule. But check this. What he's about to say to his disciples is the same thing that he's saying to you if you are a believer He's about to take the authority that has been given to him and then commission his people to be the message bearers. Commission his people to take this message and to go out and share it with people and share his love. God doesn't need to use us to do anything. He's all-powerful. He can do whatever he wants, but he chooses to commission his people 
to give us this amazing privilege and responsibility. So he tells them this. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This idea that when we look around at, at, our, at work, at school, in our families, wherever it is, and we see people who don't know Jesus, there should be this part in us that desires for them to know the hope and the freedom that you and I know. There should be this part in us that can't imagine keeping that, 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 that thing to ourselves, keeping it secret, that that wouldn't make any sense. And so this concept of evangelism, this word, it basically means finding someone who doesn't know Jesus and sharing the truth of God with them. And then once they believe, then this process of discipleship, this, this idea that you would walk with them, that you would hook them up with a local church, that you'd get them to small groups, help them to make next steps, and help them to get closer and closer to know Jesus. This is God's call for your life and for my life. If you ever want to know, Jesus, what do you want from me? I want you to go out and make disciples. This is what he wants. And that's what makes this concept of share not a simple thing, not a small thing, not something that we can ignore or push to the side. It should be a central thing, one of the most important things. And I hope that, that, that you guys will understand this concept that, that we truly are meant to be missionaries. We are called to be missionaries in our communities, to our coworkers, to our families, to the people in this Chippewa Valley where you call home. Because I don't know, maybe you guys are like me, and I, I've done this a lot. You get this concept of, oh, Jesus, I, someday maybe I'll go on a missions trip, right? I'll go on a missions trip. I'll go to Africa. I'll go to South America. And when I'm there, I'll be like a totally different person. I'll be on fire for Jesus. I'm going to be so excited to share for Jesus in that context. Lord, send me to that place. And, and, and I'm not knocking that. Those are beautiful things. We have to send people to other countries. We need that. But here's the thing. We all have been called to be missionaries. And for the majority of us, our missions field is right outside those doors. So the calling I have for all of us today is are we ready? Are we ready to stand up for Jesus, to represent him well, and to be bold enough in our faith that we don't keep this thing separate and secret to ourselves? And I think the only way that we can do that is I think we need a fuel. We need some sort of fire source inside of us that, 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 that propels us, that brings out the compassion, that brings out the desire, that brings out the need for this. And I, I think it comes down to this idea that you and I should have a heart for the lost, that we need to have a heart for the lost because we're talking about massive stakes here, massive stakes like, this isn't like sharing your, your lunchbox with your friends at, at school. This isn't like you, you're having a barbecue and you invite the neighborhood over. That's lovely that you're sharing. But what we're talking about is sharing the thing that is so important because the stakes are huge. We're talking about eternal people. And, and if you're wondering, like, why is he being so loud up there? I'm being so loud because I'm the guy with the microphone, and I need to hear this as much as any of you. Because I can be a coward I can be a straight-up coward because it's one of the easiest places for me to share the gospel is when I'm standing on this stage and I wait for people to walk through those doors and then I get to share. But for me to go out and be bold and put myself into a situation where maybe someone won't like me, fear just, it's so strong. So together, we need to have a heart for these people because they're eternal. And this is where I think, hopefully, this will make so much sense. I believe that on my own, without Jesus, I'm hopeless. 
That's what I believe. I'm a sinful man. I've done horrible things. And on my own, there's no way I could get to heaven. There's no way I could, I could weasel my way in there. There's no way. On my own, I don't have any hope. But what I believe is that 2,000 years ago, my king came down and he died on that cross. And in so doing, he paid for every sin that I've ever committed. And there's a lot of them. And every sin that you've ever committed. And when I put my faith and my trust in him, I fully believe that I have been washed clean by the blood of the lamb. I have been made new by the king of kings. I'm adopted. I'm a son of the most high God. And that means I have a new destiny. When this life is done, when this life is over, I know where I'm going. I'm going to spend eternity with my king. This world is not my home. And I'm so excited to be there with him, to see him for the first time in that place that my soul longs for, that it craves. But if that's my destiny, if that's my future and my hope, that also means that if someone doesn't know Jesus, they don't have that hope. Because on my own, I can't get there. The only reason I'm going to heaven is because of Jesus. So if people don't know him, we have to understand that they're still eternal. You either spend eternity in heaven with the king of kings or you spend eternity separated from him. Heaven and hell are real things. And the reason I think we need a reminder of this is, is if, like me, you've ever gone through a stage where you just, you just don't care. It doesn't stir you up anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't bother you anymore. It doesn't hurt anymore. We get so comfortable, and I'm ashamed of those moments. I'm ashamed of those times where I haven't cared because if I truly believe that my eternity has been changed by Jesus, then I have to believe that there's a lot of people out there who need their lives and their eternities changed by Jesus. The stakes are huge, and we should care about them. We should love them enough to share. I want to show you guys this quote up here. Really love this one. It's the next one here. I've been kind of holding on to this for myself. Jesus is our only hope. And we are his plan to reach those far from God one life at a time. Can you guys do me a favor? Let's say that together because I think this is such a helpful thing to get in our heads. Here we go. Jesus is our only hope. And we are his plan to reach those far from God one life at a time. Does Jesus need to use us? No. He can do whatever he wants. He's all powerful. But our king has commissioned you and I to be a part of this journey, to reach the people around us, to reach the people in our missions field. And let's not let that pass by. Let's not ignore it. Let's not be so comfortable that our faith becomes only an eternal thing. We're just Christians when we walk through the doors of our church. We're just Christians when we go to classes. We're just Christians at our Bible study. But are we representing him well every single day, everywhere we go to the people around us? It's a huge thing. It's a big calling. But how do we do this? What does it look like to share? What does it look like to carry this message into the world? Okay. I want to talk about this concept that I think has kind of weaseled its way into especially American Christianity, but I think it's, you know, all over the world. There's a quote, uh, some of you have heard it, some of you absolutely love this quote, and it's, it's a good quote, okay? But it, uh, it's usually attributed to a guy named St. Francis. It, he actually never said this. There's no historical evidence the guy said it. But I want to pull this quote up because this will be familiar to a lot of you. It's this idea that we should preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words, Preach the gospel at all times and, when necessary, use words. Now, first of all, I want to say this. The concept here is great. 
It really is. It's this idea that actions speak louder than words. And we know that. If I were to start walking around and, and, and preaching Jesus, 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 and telling people that they need to, to shape up and all this stuff, but they look at my life and they see a life of compromise and a life of hypocrisy, my message has been destroyed. It's not going anywhere because there has to be a life that backs up the things that you say. So in that sense, this is a great concept. Actions speak louder than words. However, the problem is when we use this as an excuse to never articulate our faith, to never speak it. When I was 16, is was really the time I believe I came to know Jesus. And one of the biggest reasons that that happened is there was this family, uh, the, the Herd family from Fall Creek. Some of you guys know them. I love them. And uh, they shared Jesus with me, but they did it in a really interesting way. And this concept of, of when necessary, use words. For the majority of the time that I knew them, uh, when I was 15 years old, they didn't preach Jesus to me. They didn't really say it, but they, they used their actions. They used their lifestyle to represent him well to me. And I, and I was curious I was wondering, what's different about these people? They're weird. They're way too kind to me. They're way too open to me. They're way too giving. And so I was curious because of the way that they lived their life. However, there had to come a time when somebody explained to me why they were different. Because the the idea of this thing is, is like, oh, let's just live really good lives really pious, righteous lives. Let's love people well. And then they're going to they're gonna naturally come and ask us questions and want to believe in Jesus. Can that happen? Yeah, absolutely can. But my friends were so kind. They were so great. They were so gracious. But I didn't understand what was different. I didn't understand why they were the way they were. And it wasn't until they started to explain to me who Jesus was and help me work through and help me struggle through the doubts that I had that were in my way from putting my faith in Jesus. And that's, that's the catalyst that got me there. So the point I'm trying to say is this. If, if you've kind of subscribed to this concept where I can live a really righteous life and that's sharing, you're, you're almost all the way there. You're doing a great job, but you're missing something so crucial. We need to have both lives that represent Jesus well and have the boldness to speak truth. Because love on its own is a great thing. But when you put love and truth together, I think that's how Jesus works. That's how he moves. So we need to be able to speak. We need to be bold. We need to be able to to use truth and speak it and let that be balanced with the lives that we live. It's really important. And I think something, a verse that really uh, sent this home for me was in Romans 10, 13 through 15. It says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And then how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. We have a mission to carry this message into the world. It's our calling. And I'm, I'm hope, praying that this will come through to you, and I'm praying that it will come through to my own heart. Are we ready to be bold enough, to be strong enough, to stand up for the king who, who spent everything, who gave everything up to buy you back? How can we, how can we not help but overflow out of love and, and, and to reach other people? So, 
How can we make this practical? What are some ways that you can do this? Okay, the one way we're about to talk about is this concept called relational evangelism. This is just one way. There are so many ways to share your faith. This is a way that I've found to be really effective in my own life and a few steps that I think are gonna help uh, you be able to practice this, okay? So step one, step one, build a real, authentic relationship with someone. It kind of goes off of this idea that trust takes time, right? And so as we kind of walk up to people and we just, we just randomly try to tell them things, in my experience, if someone believes that you care about them, if someone believes that you're there for them, and you like them not just because they're a project that you're trying to turn into a convert, but because you actually love them, okay, that builds a level of trust, a foundation that can be built upon. It's amazing. Um, and and uh, when someone believes that you care about them, okay, this is the thing. They're going to listen to you. Okay, it doesn't mean they're going to believe it, but they're going to at least hear you out because they're like, okay, hey, he loves me. She loves me. They're, because they care, they're going to at least hear you out. It's a profound thing. So build a real authentic relationship. Step two is to pray for an organic opportunity. Pray for an or- organic opportunity. This is, this is asking God. This could happen in, in multiple ways, in the form of a question. This could be a deep conversation that you're having with somebody about life. This could be a prompting from the Holy Spirit that works something out in that relationship. But the idea is be praying that God is going to set you up with an opportunity to speak the truth, to not just live it well, but to speak the truth. And that's so important. And then step three is when the opportunity comes, be bold in love. Love them enough that you cannot keep it to yourself. Now, how long do you need to know someone before you can share your faith with them? All right. This could look a whole different ways. Some of you guys have friends right now and family members that you've known for years and you're great friends and the relationship's already there. And so you can, you can do this right now. Maybe it's a relationship you've had for years, but this could be someone that you've known for a week depending on how fast you are at building relationships and setting trust, maybe you've only known the person for minutes. The idea is that you've conveyed this truth, hey, I care about you for you. And it's a profound starting point. Um, so one way we're going to be doing this with our, our students, like I said, I'm a student pastor here, and something we're going to be doing with our youth group this next year is this concept that we're teaching them. It's called One Life, okay? And the idea of One Life is this, that every single Christian should have a One Life. A One Life is a person who doesn't know Jesus, okay? And this is, this is someone that they are actively praying for. They're actively looking for opportunities to share their faith with, okay? And, and, and this is the, the idea, is that every single one of us, we should have at least one person. And so we're setting up opportunities for our, our students to invite their kids for specific nights where, we have, where we're going to be doing gospel presentations and really trying to build in this concept that share evangelism, making disciples, this is who we are. This is in our DNA. And uh, it's so important. And something we're trying to make sure that they understand, and I hope that all of us understands, is that this person is not a project. Not a project. This is relational evangelism in action. It's one life at a time. So the concept is simple, because usually what we do is when we think about evangelism, we, we go too big. We think, I got to save the world. I got to save everybody. I got to save everybody in the Chippewa Valley. And the thought is so big and so scary that we freeze and we do nothing. And so the idea is just make it practical, make it easy, one person. And if that person, once you've been praying for them, once you've been speaking truth in their life, they come to know Jesus, beautiful. Find another person and another person, one life at a time. 
Now, there's a whole bunch of ways you can share your faith. You know, there's tools out there like the Bridge Diagram and the Romans Road and Four Spiritual Laws. Those are all kind of things online that you guys could look up if you're interested about them. But I think one of the best ways to share your faith is just to share your own story. And there's a huge power in your story, in your testimony. So out at the Connections Center, when you guys head out today, we've got a little cheat sheet that's going to help you guys kind of formulate your two to five minute uh, testimony. And this is what a testimony is. It's just, it's your story. It's what Jesus has done in you. And the way that I always kind of break this up to try to make it make sense is I think of it in three parts. Okay, if I'm going to share my testimony with someone, the first part is my life before Jesus. Okay, this was before he intervened. Whatever that looks like, whatever kind of brokenness was there, this was me before Jesus. The second part is how he came into the picture, what Jesus did, how he changed, uh, how he changed you. And then the last part is what has happened since. What's happened since? So it's before Jesus, Jesus, after Jesus. And the idea here is that each of us should be ready. At a moment's notice, if, if a conversation happens, if the Holy Spirit kind of pings your heart and you're like, hey, you should talk to that person, and you're like, okay, I will. You know, we should be ready to share what Jesus has done in our lives because that's compelling, it's powerful, and relationship is a massive uh, way that God uses us to share our faith with people. So I kind of want to wrap this up here with kind of some last thoughts, some last final thoughts here, Okay. This one's really big because as we're talking about this, some of you might be listening right now, and and I do hope that there's a part of your heart that's aching a little bit. I I hope so. I hope there's a part of you that hurts a little bit that's like, oh, I've been been lazy because that's how I feel about this. I've been comfortable. I haven't cared enough. I haven't reached out enough. I haven't, you know, whatever the list is. And we can start to kind of bury ourselves under this weight of guilt and this weight of like, oh, I'm terrible. How could I ever have done this? Or... We can put way too much responsibility on ourselves to save other people. And so please listen. I think this is so important. You can't save anyone. I can't save anyone. Pastor Paul cannot save anyone. That's not our job. That's Jesus' job. Our job is to be faithful with the message. Our job is to be bold enough to share it. But what happens next? And how, whether they accept it or whether they don't, that's not on you. That's not your responsibility. You could give the world's most impressive gospel presentation that's ever been given, and it could have all the bells and whistles. That doesn't mean that that person is going to say yes to Jesus because the Bible tells us the only time that happens is when the Holy Spirit basically uh, flips a switch in their heart. I'd heard the gospel for years before the first time it really made sense to me. So don't put that kind of weight on you. You are not responsible for someone's eternity but you are responsible to be bold enough to share, be bold enough to share what Jesus has done in your life. So don't put that kind of pressure on yourself. You can't save anyone. And finally, answer the call. This is God's will and God's desire for you and for me. Let's answer it. In Isaiah 6, 8, it says this. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. Let's be those kind of people. Here am I, Lord. Send me. So next steps. Go ahead and go to the Connection Center right after this. Grab that little cheat sheet for how to formulate your testimony and do it. Do the hard work of writing it down, of trying to think to yourself, okay, if I was in this situation, what would I say? Before Jesus, Jesus, after Jesus. Write it out. Erase. Write it out. Get it comfortable so that you feel confident the next time that opportunity comes up. 
and then make it practical. Make it practical. Who is one person that you could invest in? If this was JW students, I would ask them, who is your one life? Can you think of one person? Maybe they're in your family. Maybe they're at work. One person that you know doesn't know Jesus that you can start reaching out to, that you can start praying for tonight, that you can start looking for opportunities to speak truth into. Think of that one person. Maybe it's somebody who's never known Jesus. Maybe it's someone that you don't think ever could know Jesus. But let's not put any boxes around our God. He's bigger than any of those situations. And maybe some of you know a prodigal, somebody who seemed to be following Jesus at one point, and they've fallen away. And that's so heartbreaking when someone has tasted the goodness of God and then seems to have traded it. We have to remember that our God loves them so much more than we ever could. And he's passionate for them, and he's not going to stop pursuing them. And so who is that one person that you could invest in, that you can pray for, that you could be building into? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for this message. Lord, I thank you that you're here in this room right now. And God, that this is your conviction that you're putting on us, Lord. I pray for clarity for all of us, Lord, that we would understand how you feel about this subject. That we would understand how, how passionately you love people. Because God, the whole reason that you came down and died in the first place is because you wanted to buy us back. You wanted to set us free. You wanted to show us your own glory. And God, I pray that you would help us to love people the way that you love them. That we wouldn't be able to look at people and, and, just, and just have our hearts be cold and shut off, but that we would see them as the eternal people that they are, worth our time, worth our love, worth our energy. Jesus, take away the spirit of fear from our hearts and fill it with courage, boldness, and love. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.